Hi, and welcome to Series 3 of Inside the Classroom. I am Stephen McNeil, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Russell Emery. To kick off Series 3, our guest on the show today is the country's most important figure in education. I would like to welcome Deputy First Minister and Cabinet Secretary of Education, Mr John Swinney. Hi, Mr Swinney, and welcome to the show. Hello, Stephen. Good to be with you and with Ross as well. Thank you very much for the invitation to take part in Inside the Classroom. Mr Swinney, thank you for agreeing to come on our podcast today. We know you're an extremely busy man uh, and it's greatly appreciated. Our podcast today will obviously always focus on education, but very much so we're going to be looking at physical education. So some questions will relate to the, the pandemic and the returning of schools. And other questions will just be in generic related to PE in Scotland. So, Mr Swinney, I'm going to kick us off. So, in your opinion, how important is physical education in school in regard to pupils' physical and mental well-being as we emerge from lockdown? And what would you say to any head teachers or any of the SLT team that are looking to reduce PE to catch up in our academic subjects? I think physical education and physical exercise is absolutely fundamental for the well-being of every individual in our society. So I think it's a really integral part of the curriculum and the experience that all learners should have at school. We've got to make sure that we provide a good balance of opportunities. And I think in any situation within education, I think particularly in the steps that we take as we move through the pandemic, we have to be, and particularly the period that we're in just now where we're taking the steady steps to resume face-to-face -face schooling, that we acknowledge the, the, the real well-being difficulties that, that will be faced by uh, children and young people within our society. You know, this is, I, I think I, I would concede this is a rubbish time to be um, a young person uh, in our society because so many of the things that we take for granted, that young people would take for granted are not available to them. Just that very basic level of human interaction, social interaction with friends is so much more restricted just now. So actually addressing the well-being of young people is a fundamental requirement of, um, of what we've got to make sure we've got provision for in our education system. I think in general, you know, I, I, I believe that exercise is good for everybody. You know, I try... I've got a very stressful existence as as a senior minister in the government, so I I try to take as much care as I can to uh, to look after my physical well being, which I think is critical to my mental well being. So, you know, I'm a, a regular runner. I go out uh, uh, the early hours in the morning. It's the, the only part of the day that I've got some control over my time. So I go out and run maybe about six o'clock in the morning, and it does me a huge amount of good physically and mentally to, to do that exercise. So I would encourage it amongst young people in our schools. Yeah, and what about, just as I kind of picked up on, about any of the head teachers or the senior leadership team that may try and reduce P when we go back to school so they can try and catch up in other subjects? What do you think about that? I, I think it's difficult. Like, I'd, I'd, I'd be reluctant to sort of to interfere in some of the decision making of, um, of school leaders, you know, balances have got to be struck because we've got to, you know, one of the things I've found through COVID is there's not an easy, straightforward answer to any of the dilemmas that we face. So senior leaders will be facing the dilemmas about how do they make sure 
that young people in all circumstances are equipped, for example, for national qualifications. So there may have to be some pretty difficult decisions taken by senior leaders. What I suppose I would appeal for is uh, some, some pragmatism and some understanding of the dilemmas and the difficulties that are faced. But you know, as a point of principle, um, I certainly believe that um, having a good amount of access to physical education um, is, is really important for all young people. Uh, Mr. Swinney, some some senior pupils, as you know, have already returned to school for practical coursework, but due to restrictions around sport, PE is again limited to access its curriculum, as it has been all year. Uh, and in my mind, no doubt, PE is probably the hardest hit subject uh, because of this pandemic. For people studying national qualification PE, they have to complete a one-off performance, which is worth 50% of their course assessment. Due to the restrictions around sport and PE, which, as you know, could go on till around end of April, time is of a major concern for, for the subject, which has missed so much already. Um, there's also a big concern in the PE profession around the inequality um, in terms of course assessment for PE, um, mainly around the choice activity that a, a people can do their one-off performance in and because of this lack of time. Is there no possibility that senior phase pupils studying national qualification in PE when they return on the 15th could return to some sort of relaxed PE in order for them to demonstrate attainment and to gain their best, quali best qualification? I think we'll certainly endeavour to make sure that to, to make sure that can happen if it is possible to, to make it happen. Um, the, the SQA, of course, have um, reduced the number of performance uh, items that um, are, are required to try to make this a bit more practical. And the extension of the time in which the um, teacher estimates can be submitted to the 25th of June I think creates a bigger window in which what you're raising, uh, Russell, might be possible to be undertaken. What it hinges on is to what extent is the suppression of the pandemic being successful as we go forward? Because the more we're successful in suppressing the pandemic, the greater flexibility and opportunities there will be for us to try to make provision for different elements within the curriculum and the assessment system. So I would be, you know, we're seeing a situation where there's been a, in the last week or so, a really significant improvement in the situation in suppressing the pandemic. That's why we were able to make the announcements that were made um, just yesterday on Tuesday in the Scottish Parliament by the First Minister about senior pupils being able to, well, all secondary pupils being able to come back to, to school for some face-to-face -face experience from the 15th of March because we're making such progress in the suppression of the virus. So the more that happens, the more the weeks pass, the more I think the opportunity opens up for us to be able to make provision for the type of um, approach that you're talking about. And obviously I think that would be very welcome for, um, for, for, for students in the senior phase. I mean, just to pick up there, you said the window has been extended, um, which is which is great. But obviously, from a, a PE teacher's point of view, if we're not able to access all activities uh, for senior pupils by say the end of April, you know, we'll need weeks and weeks 
to try and bring people's fitness levels back up, their skill mm -hmm. level and their, their mental preparation in order to take part in these activities. Yeah, but, but obviously I'm, 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 yeah, I, I don't want to give you sort of specifications, but I think the, the more I look at um, our specific commitments, the more I look at the, the pattern of events and the prevalence of the virus, the more optimistic I am about the situation that I think will emerge during April, because we're seeing suppression of the virus, we're seeing the rapid expansion of the vaccination programme. So I think those two things working hand in hand makes me optimistic that there's a bigger window into which you can operate um, in supporting pupils at that stage. So uh, I think I would be optimistic about what the prospects are um, yep. for certainly the period after the Easter holidays. Um, but obviously, uh, the more we can see some degree of improvement, the more we can move on that subject. And I certainly give you the assurance that, uh, that I will, uh, if those opportunities arise, uh, I'll make sure they're taken to enable pupils to be able to engage more substantively in the, uh, in the curriculum. Okay, that's great, thank you. Um, just moving away, Philip, from the COVID um, pandemic for a little uh, second, Mr. Swinney. Um, PE is very much a practical subject, just like art, HFT, science and woodwork. All these subjects have class sizes of 20s, um, but PE can have class sizes up to 30, 33 pupils. Why is it that PE is not regarded as a practical subject with class sizes of 20? These discussions take place um, widely across the, the education system to determine what it classifies um, as um, a, a practical subject. And judgments are made about the, um, you know, the content of the curriculum, uh, the amount of, uh, of, of pupil engagement that can be sustained in certain circumstances, and judgments are made. Now, of course, there's never a I suppose there's never a precise and an absolute judgment that could be made, made in these circumstances. It's about working out just what's the degree of practical intervention that can be undertaken. Obviously, uh, the, 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 the smaller the number of pupils that are involved in a particular pupil cohort, the greater are the opportunities to enhance the engagement with pupils and the depth of learning that can be undertaken. And I, I certainly... Um, I'm very keen to make sure that we listen carefully to, to PE teachers about what might make a difference uh, in relation to that class contact uh, to make sure that we would best meet the needs of individual learners. Mr Swinney, you, you'll be well aware that the, the Scottish Government met their commitment to ensure by 2014 that every pupil would benefit from at least two hours or two periods of quality PE per week, depending on age. Do you feel that two people a week of PE is sufficient, given that a substantial amount of time is lost by pupils when they travel from other subjects to get to the PE department and also for the time it takes them to get changed? I think, it, I suppose I would say it's a good start, Stephen. Um, I, I wouldn't say it was adequate, but it's a good start um, because, uh, and I think obviously the, 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 there is a lot of, um, a huge amount of additional activity that involves physical experiences for and physical activity for pupils in schools. And, uh, and so much of that is contributed by PE staff in a whole range of different uh, interventions that are made. So I suppose how I'd characterise the two hours commitment is that 
it, it, it is a reasonable start, but um, it shouldn't be seen as a, an absolutely finite amount of activity that um, the pupils should be involved in. The, the, there is obviously a range of other activities that can supplement that two-hour provision. Although, as you say in your question, that can sometimes be eroded by travel time and changing time. But I think it's a good start. It's just sometimes when, as I said, they get changed <clears throat> and they get out, we're lucky if we're getting 30 minutes of yeah, yeah. exercise and the, and the time we explain what's going on. But it's, it's good that they are getting at least two periods per week as it stands. Yeah. I think I think the more that we can, the more we can do to try to stretch these activities, the better. But obviously, you know, part of what I deal with a lot is questions around the various demands within the curriculum, and there's such intense pressure on making sure that young people have the breadth of learning experience right across the board, um, that they can have um, the experience of enjoying all eight curricular areas. And it's, it's in, within the broad general education, and that can sometimes be a challenge to meet all the aspirations that all curricular areas would have. Um, but very much these decisions can be taken forward on a flexible basis at local level. Uh, Mr. Sully, on the announcement yesterday, um, this is going to place quite a big stress on schools and class teachers, as going back to school with two metre social distancing is going to be a challenge. Um, it's very difficult, as you'll be aware, to try and keep teenagers apart, um, especially if class sizes, um, so if classes can hold 30 pupils, if that has to then be cut to class sizes of 12 and 10 or 8, and with limited classrooms available and teachers available, what support is going to be in place for schools and teachers? I, I, first of all, I acknowledge that this is, this is quite a challenging situation, but the, the judgment that the government arrived at was that we felt that it was important, given some of the pressures that I talked about earlier on, on the, the well-being, particularly the mental well-being of young people during COVID, that we did as much as we could to try to create some form of interaction for young people within a school setting. And I, I think a lot of, you know, it's been interesting, I was looking at some of the media last night, um, where there were interviews being undertaken with young people and they, they, they were desperate to get back into an educational setting, to get back into that social interaction with friends, peers and with teachers. So I think the, uh, I appreciate that that will be challenging for schools and that's why what the First Minister announced was announced with flexibility in it for individual schools. We didn't prescribe exactly how it was to be done, but we did want every young person to have some form of in-school experience and that can be taken forward in a flexible way at local level. Now that's, um, there will be priority given to senior phase pupils because we've got to make sure that they are given the opportunity to essentially um, cement the learning that they take forward. But I think from a, a, a well-being perspective for every um, secondary school pupil, it's important that we do as much as we possibly can do to engage those individuals in their schooling so that they've got some opportunity to, to begin to, to take the gradual steps out of the stay-at-home environment that we've all had to be accustomed to uh, to be able to, 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 to move forward as a consequence. Yeah. What, do you, what do you think the biggest challenge for the pupils is going to be coming back, stepping into the school for the first time? I, I think there'll be... Like, I'm, I'm quite struck in talking to people about 
just some of the challenges that people, that young people might well face about the anxiety of coming back out into the world, frankly. Uh, I think a, a lot of us have been spending a lot of time at home following the stay-at-home uh, restrictions. I think for some young people that might be quite an anxious journey. And I suppose what I would want to highlight, uh, and, and I know one of the things that impresses me so much about schools in Scotland is the is the empathetic environment of our schools, whereby schools are trying to work closely with young people, support them, nurture them, encourage them, reassure them. And I know that schools will go a long way to try to make that possible in what's, what I accept is a very challenging environment. So we've got to try to do that in a way that, 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 that welcomes young people and supports them, but also recognises some of the challenges that exist around the delivery of a curriculum in a situation where, for example, with two metre physical distancing, there's quite a number of challenges around how, how we can actually deliver such an approach. Mr. Swin, I've got one more question for you. In retrospect, or with regards to the pandemic, is there anything that you would do differently in relation to educational decisions that have been made, for example, school closures or the cancellation of exams? I certainly wouldn't do anything different about school closures. Um, you know, we had to take a, a very abrupt decision in March 2020 for public safety to close schools, and it was absolutely the right thing to do. And, um, and equally, the decision we took on the 4th of January to close schools or to move to remote learning was um, the right thing to do because of the state of the pandemic. So I don't have any regrets about those points. Obviously, I found myself in a really difficult situation around about the certification of, of um, young people's performance uh, last summer. Um, I made some mistakes about that. I, I put too much emphasis on the maintenance of standards and not enough emphasis on um, essentially giving uh, teachers and pupils the benefit of the doubt. And uh, that was a mistake on my part and I apologised for it and, and, I, and I rectified it as quickly as I possibly could do. So uh, I do, uh, you know, I do have some uh, regrets about how that was, was, was handled. Certainly in relation to cancellation of exams, I'm glad I cancelled the exams for this year. I did it as early as I did because I think I gave an opportunity while schools were still meeting full-time face-to-face in the autumn for teachers to realise, well, we'll be operating on a different basis for assessment this year. So it gave teachers an opportunity and pupils to adjust to that environment. So um, I was pleased I took that decision as early as I took it. Um, and obviously, uh, I'm keen to make sure that in every respect, um, we follow that through with the alternative certification model that's now available within our schools. So I think uh, th those are, are, are some of my reflections. More widely, in relation to the pandemic, um, I, th there are certain things I wish we had done. I wish we had restricted travel an awful lot more last summer. Um, I think that would have saved us an awful lot of heartache in the autumn of last year and, uh, and going forward. Um, and that would have, I think, given us a bit more protection from the, uh, the, the new variant and the, uh, the, the spread of the virus that we've experienced in recent weeks. Mr Swinney, thank you again for your time. It has been an absolute pleasure for myself and Stephen to interview you. And it's been great to hear you speak so positive about PE and obviously the returning of education. Um, perhaps just to finish the show, just a little um, light-hearted question, a bit more personal. Could you maybe share um, your best and worst experience um, of your time in PE at school? Uh, 
Well, my, um, I think I'll start with my worst experience. And my worst experience was as um, it was sort of stopping around uh, Forrester High School in Edinburgh, where I, I, I did my six years in, in school education. And um, I was, uh, I, I was probably deployed, looking as if I was being a bit too lazy. And I was challenged to a squash match by um, uh, our head of PE, a man called Mr. Ross, who, um, you know, I suppose like all school pupils, I, I, I thought he was an old man. And uh, I now realise he probably was younger than I am now. And I certainly don't consider myself an old man <laughs> at this age. So Mr. Ross said to me, come on, I'll give you a game of squash. And I thought, oh, I'll be able to wipe the floor with this old man. And this said uh, Mr. Ross, the old man, stood in the centre of the squash courts, never moved one inch from where he stood and had me running from one end of that squash court to the other, to the point of complete and utter exhaustion. So I learned a pretty salutary lesson from Mr. Ross about, uh, about that. And then probably my best experience of PE was um, being involved in a school rugby team at Forrester, and I uh, I played um, uh, I, I played in the second row, and uh, I played alongside uh, with the other second row uh, a player was uh, a boy called Andrew Guttridge, and he and I worked together really effectively in the second row, and I suppose it was the first time I really learned a lesson about sticking together with people around about you. And that scrum, we stuck together and we worked hard together and we supported each other and it was grueling, but it taught me a really important lesson about sticking together. And I learned it on the rugby on the rugby fields. Now, we weren't an immensely successful team, I have to say, but for me, one of the big successes was I learned about the importance of working with others, supporting each other, acting in solidarity, acting in unison, and big lesson there. Served me well for the rest of my life. Thanks, Mr Swinney. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks very much. All good wishes to everyone at Lindsay Academy. Um, uh, I know the school well, and uh, I wish you well for what lies ahead. <laughs>